In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. The Holy Spirit has many aliases. Many of them are found in the ancient hymn, Come Holy Ghost, a hymn traditionally associated with ordinations, such as the ordination and consecration of Bishop Paulson Reed yesterday. The choir will sing it later this morning. The hymn uses various biblical titles to address the Holy Spirit, Creator, the Gift of God, Fount of Life, Fire of Love, the Soul's Anointing, the Finger of God, the True Promise of the Father, Our Preventing Guide. But there's one title for the Holy Spirit I want to contemplate with you this morning, the title unique to St. John's Gospel, namely, The Comforter. If you love me, says Jesus, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. When Christ speaks of the promised Holy Spirit as the comforter, what does he mean? That's the question I want to ask this morning, because thinking about the Holy Spirit as the comforter takes us to some unexpected places. What is the first thing you associate with the word comforter? For me, the word immediately conjures images of blankets, specifically the comforters that my grandmothers, both of them, stitched and knotted. I have particularly vivid memories of my grandma Yoder working on comforters stretched on wooden frames in her living room. I remember how she would work from the edges toward the center, rolling the comforter as she went along. And I remember the plastic patterns she used to mark out the stitching. And one of my most treasured possessions is the comforter she made me as a child. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit is not a blanket. And thinking of this sort of comfort represented by a blanket actually risks falling into sentimentality. But the image does gesture, however vaguely, towards something true, to something like what we see in another image, the image of a mother comforting her child. And indeed, this image is one the Lord is content to apply to himself. He says in the prophet Isaiah, as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. And St. Paul speaks of the Lord as the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who, he says, comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, he says, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. And the psalmist prays, When many cares fill my mind, your consolations cheer my soul. When Christ says, I will not leave you comfortless, he evokes just this sort of comfort, comfort as consolation. And this, I think, is even more evident in the Greek, which reads literally, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you bereft, with no father or mother to comfort you and dry your tears. I will not leave you comfortless, he says. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. 
So the Holy Spirit, from this perspective, is the comforter insofar as he brings the consolation of Christ Jesus to bear on the lives of his disciples, on those who love him and keep his commandments. When Socrates died, his disciples felt themselves to be orphaned and comfortless. Not so with Christ Jesus. For when the risen Jesus departed his disciples to return to the Father, he promises another comforter who will abide with them forever. Well, so far, so good. The comforter, the one who brings the consolation of God, the consolation of Christ, the spirit who brings solace. At Lord knows, we are in desperate need of consolation these days. During these times of enforced isolation, times of partisanship, times of strife, times in which the damage and decay of sin is manifestly on display. We long for comfort and we look for solace. And there are many places that we might look for comfort only to find a false comfort that leaves us worse off. The bottom of a bottle, the dark corners of the internet, the carrion comfort of despair. But the gospel teaches us where to look for true consolation, to Christ Jesus, who says, if ye love me and keep my commandments, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. But there is more to this comforter than meets the eye. Because while Christ does speak of the Holy Spirit bringing comfort and consolation, he also gestures in a decidedly uncomfortable direction. For this same comforter also discomfits the world. He comforts the afflicted, as it were, but afflicts the comfortable. The comforter is also the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it does not do the truth. He comes to reprove and convict the world, to expose the wrongness and evil and injustice of the world that sets itself against the truth and against justice, against Jesus and the one who sent him, and therefore against the disciples of Jesus. And we cannot forget that the promise of the Comforter does not negate Christ's warning in this world, ye will have tribulation. So how do we square this unsettling side of the comforter with the more warm and fuzzy side? The answer, I think, lies in understanding comfort in its older etymological sense. That is, comfort in the sense of strengthening, giving support, fortifying. The word comfort derives from the Latin word for strong, fortis. So it evokes the sort of comfort provided by a fort, the comfort found in a stronghold or a fastness in time of danger and war, a Psalm 46 kind of comfort. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be moved and though the mountains be toppled into the midst of the sea, though its waters rage and foam, and though the mountains tremble 
at its tumult. A mighty fortress is our God, Luther sang, a bulwark never failing. This helps us see that the comfort the Holy Spirit brings is not the cessation of tribulation, but the strength to patiently, even joyfully, endure the sufferings of this life. Think about what happened on that first Pentecost. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven after appearing to his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. He said, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And 10 days later, on the Feast of Pentecost, just that happened. The disciples were together waiting and praying when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothen tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then that motley crew, many of them unlettered fishermen, burst out into the street, proclaiming the wonderful works of God at the top of their lungs and in many languages, so that the passers-by thought that they were drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. And St. Peter the fisherman was made a theologian and preached a sermon for the ages, and thousands believed, and the apostles went on to turn the world upside down, joyfully proclaiming the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And they did this because they had been given the comforter, the one who strengthened them to turn to, to bear joyful witness to Christ Jesus, even to their deaths. The comfort the Holy Spirit brings is seen throughout the Acts of the Apostles. It looks like Paul and Silas singing hymns in prison, carrying on preaching the gospel even after they've been stoned and worse. It looks like Stephen praying for the forgiveness of those who are about to stone him to death. And it looks like the numberless multitudes of Christians throughout the ages rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ Jesus. All this is encompassed in Christ's promise of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. And it makes it seem a dangerous kind of comfort. Austin Fair, the great Anglican theologian and priest, once wrote that the Holy Spirit knocks on the bottom of our hearts, asking, as it were, to be set loose in our lives. But he says, we are so used to retaining control of our lives that we are reluctant to relinquish control and open ourselves up fully to the work of the Holy Spirit. And our response to the promptings of the Holy Spirit is, we're tempted to, to say, as Ferrer puts it, what would you do with me? Where would you take me? What did you do with St. Peter and his friends? Your first act was to make fools of them. Your second was to make Franciscans of them. And your third, to make martyrs of them. It's not for me. I must retain control of my life, we're tempted to say. 
but we are foolish children, little goobers who forget the truth. Whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. The Comforter does indeed bring a good deal of discomfort, but this is precisely because the work of the Holy Spirit is to conform us to the life of Jesus, to unite us to Christ crucified, to make us strong and courageous, to fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto our life's end, to inscribe into our hearts the words of Christ Jesus, who says, the servant is not greater than his master. And again, in this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This Pentecost, what would happen if we prayed, really prayed, come Holy Ghost? What would happen? Do we dare to ask for the Comforter to be let loose in our lives? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.